And J- Jamie Oliver told me that he's like, you got to surround yourself with the best people, with, the, with good people. And that, that's the only way you'll grow, you know? Welcome to another episode of the Burnt Chef Journal, hosted by myself, Chris Hall, the founder of the Burnt Chef Project. This week's guest is no other than DJ Barbecue, who joins us to talk about such a massive range of topics. It's a fantastic episode. It really is bloody good. We cover things such as, you know, his his journey into barbecuing, his time where he's working for Vans, snowboarding with uh, Kylie Minogue, working with Jamie Oliver, subject of mental health. You know, we talk in depth about that. So, you know, strap yourselves in. This is a brilliant episode. This episode also contains references and talk of suicide. So if at any point you feel uncomfortable, please feel free to skip past. And if you are struggling yourself, then please do text Burnt Chef to 85258 in the UK or home to 741741 in America and Canada. Lamb Western are your partner in potatoes. We're a leading global frozen potato manufacturing business with a wealth of experience in offering a portfolio of high-end and quality products on a consistent basis. We supply the pub, casual dining, QSR sectors. We believe in well-being through potatoes and we are very proud to support the Burnt Chef Project. Here to offer our support and help for those that need it and any solutions that you need for you and your business. Hey, <laughs> we're finally in. Sorry about this, mate. No dramas at all. Technology, hey. I'm pretty good with technology, but only when it comes to Apple. I see. I used to be a bit. I I was a I was a bit of a geek as a kid. I used to go see uh, Wozniak and Steve Jobs talk when I was like 13. Oh wow! I had one of the very first Apple computers. Like I had an Apple II, Apple II Plus, Apple IIe, and then I was a bit of a hacker, freaker, cracker. I did all that kind of shit. Mate, that's a whole <laughs> that's a whole episode in itself. Oh, I mean, where do I begin? So, you have a top selling book uh, <laughs> with over seven hundred thousand. Three to three now. See, my research said that you had two. So I'm Wikipedia is out of date for a start. <laughs> so that's okay. Wow, we're on Wikipedia. I think you are on Wikipedia. I've pulled your information. I doubt it. I I don't believe you. If not, then we should get. You I know I have. There. I have one little mention on IMDb because I I got an appearance in Chalet Girl with uh, uh Felicity Jones. And Bill Nighy and Bill Bailey, so I got a tiny little mention there. But I need, to, yeah, I need to, I need to work on this kind of stuff. I'm just too busy to kind of like look after everything else. I know you just don't seem to like. I've, I was looking back through what you've been doing. You don't seem to stop. You're on things like Food Tube with Jamie Oliver. You're doing TV, you know, TV work. You're doing like all these cooking and collabs and other things. Like, where do you where do you sleep? Like, do you sleep? Yeah, I sleep about five hours a night, which it's kind of, I'm, I'm it, I don't want to compare myself to Margaret Thatcher because she sucks balls. Well, I don't know if she does or not, but she does suck. Uh, but she was like one of these four hour sleepers. I'm kind of one of those guys, like five hours, six hours. Um, 
Yeah, there's not enough time in the day. Like during the festival season, we sleep maybe three hours a night because we're smoking meat, you know, 24 seven. And uh, yeah. And then you just crash and burn on the Tuesday. I don't know how you do it. That's, that's, that's the hard part about being, being a, a cook and being in hospitality is the crazy hours. And, and sometimes you just don't have a choice. And that, I think that that can play, that can be kind of detrimental to your health because I know I should be sleeping more. You know, I watch my teenagers, they'll sleep for 20 hours. <laughs> Why can't I do that? Yeah, well, you know, as we get older, we do need less sleep, but certainly more than three hours or, or your five even at that, you know, for for sustainable mental health. But I mean, for those who perhaps have, aren't familiar with you and you know, we've the barbecue cartel follow the Burnt Chef project and have supported the Burnt Chef project very, very well over the last six, six to eight months. So uh, I know they'll be very familiar. But for those who don't know you, who is DJ Barbecue? DJ Barbecue is a guy called Christian Stevenson. He's from Gaithersburg, Maryland, born in Washington, D.C., and he came over to the U.K. back in 94 uh, to make snowboarding movies. So I spent the 90s living in a school bus, traveling the world, making snowboard films, did did loads of uh, youth and kids television for about 15 years with action sports, but I always cooked barbecue, and then... I kept trying to bring, I, I brought a grill on all of my kids' skateboarding shows. We had a show on Channel 5 called Rad. It was like a skate, snow, BMX surf show. Uh, we, won the, we won the network their very first BAFTA. I got so excited. I impregnated my ex-wife that night in the Park Lane Hilton. Nine months later, uh, I delivered the child on the living room floor. Um, <laughs> anyway, when, when my kind of youth skateboarding uh, career uh, was kind of ending, I went to my true passion, which is live fire cooking. And I was DJing loads at festivals. I was always DJing and I was always cooking barbecue, but I never put the two together. So I decided in, uh, in 2012 to just create this catertainment destination area at festivals where people could come and cook, eat the barbecue and then dance. So they might, you know, hear some good tunes they get they come out for that reason or they smell the pulled pork you know or the roast beef the the top bit with rump on an open spit and and then they stay i mean i have people that just camp out all day in front of our area just because we always have good tunes we we play to the crowd we don't play for our well we we play for ourselves sometimes we want to make ourselves laugh but i I learned i learned an important lesson as a as a young dj working in colorado at K-Ski Radio, 104.7-993, playing the classics in today's best rock. Uh, the, I was always trying to, like, educate the listener with music. And my boss is, Christian, I love your alternative edge, but can you just play the hits? <laughs> and, uh, and it took me a while to grow up and not be so precious. So if, if, if I'm looking at a crowd and nothing's really working, but Whitney Houston, I want to dance with somebody is the right song for that moment. You know, it's not one of my favorite tunes, but over the past 10 years, it has become because it just puts smiles on people's faces. I mean, I can play all the clever stuff, but I can play the right stuff that'll make them dance. And that feels the best. So I, I catertain for a living. That's what DJ barbecue does. I write cookbooks. I make videos about cooking and I catertain to the masses. You're like a creative, just giant then really. <laughs> Six two, so I'm, I am kind of big, but not that big, you know. But thank That's, you for saying that. But uh, I mean, it's amazing. It's like you know, it's it's creative, it's audiovisual, it's taste, and it's sound. 
you know, plus also for anyone that isn't familiar wow. with you, you're very flamboyant as well with your <laughs> with your clothing and what you wear. So, oh wow, like, look at this outfit. Look at there we go. <laughs> if you can't, I know you guys can't really see, but I I've got metallic and black tassels and a and a metallic hood. This is my Kylie Minogue number, and actually this this could fit Kylie Minogue. Um, um, yeah, we. I thing is, I look at barbecue, and a lot of those guys look like they're one pulled pork sandwich away from a heart attack. And I know they always say never trust a skinny chef, but I, I you know, I want to look good. I want to look good in spandex, and I also want to just make people smile because DJs look pretty boring behind the decks. So they stand there and knob twiddle, you know, and point to the sky. You know, we we have a stage at our festivals, like we. I'll play the theme song from Armageddon, you know, uh, Steve Tyler, Joe Perry, you know, don't want to miss a thing. Tebow, my right-hand man, will get on top of the stage with an air shovel or a shovel and play air guitar. And then I'll just get on the decks. And it's just creating this atmosphere to put smiles on people's faces because I think people need us. They need it now uh, more than ever. 100%. People work hard. Raising families is hard. So do our best to, to entertain them but you 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 made a good point buddy you said like i always look at what we do as a 360 you can read the books you can see the videos you can do the recipes but then you can actually come and and eat our food you know i know and, and it's us cooking it ain't like just a chain restaurant it's us i'm the one doing the pulled pork every night i i put that pork to bed um at three in the morning and then we get up at seven to reload the smoker um but i make sure i'm involved because i'm so busy at festivals anyway djing hosting just talking to people mainly picking up cigarette butts in front of the food truck oh yeah <laughs> that's well, well the thing is no one my staff won't be doing that some of them will but you know as as the owner of the business you tend to look for the little things that you know might spoil your appearance even though half my guys are half naked <laughs> <laughs> hairy bastards and long hair <laughs> and cooking barbecue but um it's a motley crew and you know what uh, we we've, we've had a couple of guys with some mental health issues and two summers ago we didn't need that big of a staff but i said to tebow my partner i go i know we don't need these two guys but i think they need us and we can't not not be here for them like we have to help them because they're, they're in a they're in a space so a lot of times I just dig deep and just if I see someone having, you know, needs a bit of camaraderie with our crew, because we're we're hardworking dudes, but we're also good friends. And I always try to make sure, you know, the whole team's lifted up and looked after um, because it's, it, you know, there's mental health issues in lots of industries. But, man, hospitality is tough. And we're we're hospitality and events. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> which our industry has just been decimated this year. Oh, <laughs> it's been, yeah, it's been a double blow really, because not, I mean, not to mention that you can't take on any additional business to be able to cover it. And all your bookings from one year have then just been forwarded across to another. So you've had to cash flow that effectively, haven't you really? Yeah, we, uh, I mean, I've adapted. So we're doing rubs. The books sold really well. Luckily barbecue did really well last summer grills were to gold dust charcoal was gold dust like every, everybody was at home trying to you know hey I, what else am i gonna do i'm not going out to the pub 
I'll figure out another recipe. Oh, I'll get one of DJ Barbecue's recipes from Fire Food. Okay, there's tomato pie. I saw him doing that. I'm going to make tomato pie on my Weber. And that's what we kind of empower. Just trying to, uh, one thing I look at with barbecue is because it's not like, it, there, there's science, but it's so, there's so many variables with heat and airflow and temperature and, and muscles. You know, I always say barbecue is done when it's done. And it's really important to kind of empower, you know, men, women to get on the grill, to have some fun, to give it a go. Know your cooker, know your fuel. Um, but it's a very empowering thing when, a, when, you know, someone cooks a steak, like perfect, you know, medium rare, you know, they, they cooked it right below where they want it. And then it rises in temperature as it sits there resting. And then they break in and go, that's better than any restaurant I've had it, you know? And I think that's, that, that feels great being able to teach people that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, it's a look on, I mean, steaks are one thing that you can do really well, or you can do really poorly. And if you get a steak poorly, just the expression on someone's face will tell you, like it's the best thing they've had since since sex or it's the complete opposite and it's like you know it's ruined their day um <laughs> well said it's an art form isn't it really i think i think cooking a really good steak is an art form but i think cooking barbecues like you know i didn't go to chef school i worked in kitchens my whole life you know waiting tape I, I front of house you know back of house prep chefing done it all um and I've had a lot of like French trained chefs come to me and they've gone into smoking. And they're like, man, this is hard. <laughs> and I'm like, I know. And man, you, and you, your smokers plugged in, you can plug that thing in and set things. Yeah. Our smokers, we're on the elements. We're like opening up pinwheels, adding fuel, you know, trying to like, it's, we're trying to control temperatures with airflow and fuel. There's no dials. So it, it's, you got to have a feel for it. And the more you do it, the better you get. And that's, that, that, that feels good. That's amazing. And I'd like to learn a little bit more later on in the podcast, exactly some, some top tips because I'm a barbecue novice. I'm terrible. Um, you know, my, my barbecues used to be the little disposable throwaway ones. And then when I moved to Somerset and we started living on a farm, I had to then start foraging for sticks to do barbecues on wood fire. And that blew my mind. And then, you know, I got used to that, and then I went and did the ultimate sin. I went and bought a three ring gas gas barbecue, and I, I don't know if I can do this interview right now. <laughs> I'm not proud of gas. It. Gas is you've got a perfectly good gas cooker inside. Why'd you put another one outside? I know, I know. Sorry. I was lazy. I was lazy. I mean, I've I've been cooking on oil drums, like literally oil drums, sawn in half, filled full of sticks for like years. And Perfect. I just moved some That's of those. That's the best. I know, I know, but there were no sticks where I lived, so I bought a gas one. <laughs> okay, I, no, I awful. I, I I won't rip into gas because I started on a gas grill when I was five. Oh, thanks, mate. But, but by the time I was uh, out of the house, I was on a I was on a Weber fifty seven, and now or no, it was the smaller Weber back then. It was the eighteen and a half inch one, which I don't know how twenty twenty two inches twenty. I forget, man. I can't do my centimeters to inches. Anyway, uh, it's a good gateway cooker to live fire cooking is what I say gas grill is. You know, I, I know I kind of say it's heresy and sacrilege, but it's not. It's it's a fun way of cooking. So I'm sorry if I reprimanded you for buying a gas grill. No, listen, I've done my time <laughs> over open fire. Yeah, I was in scouts for years. I've 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 done enough of uh, fire cooking, and I still go back to it, especially when we go back to the farm. But uh, a few mates of mine are well into their barbecuing. They've um, they managed to get hold of some buffalo actually fairly recently, 
like a side of buffalo. Nice. Um, from a local buffalo. A farm. side of buffalo. Yeah, a side of buffalo. A from, whole side. Well, I think it was the hind. So like the half, half of like the back side of it. Um, the hind, the hind quarter, like this yeah, bit. The, like, yeah, it? the rump, rump and leg types, the type area. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's right on. So they, um, they, I mean, they, they're well into it. Um, so they would love to hear this episode. So that's, uh, you know, Matt and Matt and Mark, they're well into their barbecuing. Um, it'll be the first time. Hi, Matt. Ever... Hi, Mark. That's the first time they've ever listened to a podcast of mine. So <laughs> 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 this, this will get their attention. But, um, so I mean, just take, just circling back, and I'll, I'll I'll come on to the whole barbecue thing because I'm interested in learning more as well. And I know that there's a lot of chefs out there who, you know, in their spare time, are enthusiasts for for cooking on open fire and for really nailing that 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 art that you know that attention to detail and that craft of of barbecuing and smoking. But just circling back, you mentioned um, sort of talking about mental health very briefly. And obviously, this whole podcast is about smashing the stigma and getting people to talk openly about a subject matter, which for years has been has been tabooed and shamed and basically swept under the rug by society. And now it's time that we're, we're dragging this into the 21st century kicking and screaming. And to do that, we need people to talk openly. So in your own words, I mean, what does the subject of mental health mean to, to you specifically? Well, when I first, I was always a pretty strong individual growing up. I was independent. I was raised by my father. I left home at 18 and for 10 years, I never lived in the same place for more than six months. For 10 years, I moved at least every six months. I walked the earth. And then if, if, I, had, if I heard about a friend committing suicide, I was like, man, what a cop out. What a selfish thing to do. Think about what he's going to do. And then I realized, and I, I realized I had it all wrong. I had it all wrong. And then more friends, you know, going down my friend. Nelson, so I was the team manager for Vans uh, skate and snow for 10 years. And one of my athletes, uh, Nelson, Nelson Pratt, one of the most talented uh, snowboarders ever uh, that the UK ever produced. You know, he was a farmer. His brother's got one of the best rapeseed uh, oil farms going. And they found him hanging in his uh, bedroom, you know, and we we're like, wait, Nelson was the happiest dude we knew. And then when, when that happened, I kind of stopped blaming them. And which I can't believe I ever did. And I feel so bad for doing that. I was like mad at my friends for committing suicide, you know, mm. and which sounds horrible. But then I just thought about it more. And I'm like, gosh, how bad was it that that, that that was their only solution? You know, why couldn't they have reached out? Why? So it's so it's it's vital to talk about uh, mental health, and it's just sad that it's 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 been this toxic masculinity for the men is just it made it a taboo, you know, topic until really the last like five six years, um, seven years, and and now you're seeing more of it in hospitality, which I think is really important because as we know, you know, chefs, it a lot of them drink, a lot of them do drugs, a lot of them don't sleep and they run crazy hours and it's just not the best for your mental health. So you have to do everything in your power to, to look after it. Yeah, massively. I mean, the whole culture of working in hospitality is, is the long hours. It's the, you know, the stoicism, they're not talking about how you feel. And it's sort of, it's gone, you know, to the point where mental health was such an issue that we couldn't even put our fingers on why people were leaving the industry. We knew it was tough. 
Um, but in the early days, no one would talk about mental health to be able to say that their mental health was struggling and that needed it addressing. So hospitality has come a long way in the last sort of couple of years, certainly. But it's still so such a strong stigma that people, you know, even people who are experiencing mental illness at the moment won't talk about it openly. And I don't know, it's, it's such a, I guess, like for, for the likes of people like myself, you know, talking about my own mental health and, and mental illnesses I've had over my over my lifetime, you become a little bit, um, I don't know, numb, numb to the conversation and you forget what sure. stigma, stigma was like, although I have suffered from shame and, uh, and other bits. But I mean, for, from yourself, I mean, you you as a uh, TV personality, as a broadcaster, as you know, as someone who's in the limelight quite a bit, and also working these long hours, have you have you experienced any mental health issues or illnesses in in your time? You know, I I, I never thought I did, and then this third the third lockdown kind of did it for me. I at the first lockdown, I knew people might need some help, so I went crazy on social. I just filmed all the shenanigans in the house, you know, record collection, whenever I was cooking, kids just mucking about. And I just kind of went crazy on social and it. And I got these people messaging, you know, I haven't spoken to my family for three days. I've been, I've been kind of living in my little outside cave and I watched your stories on social and it really, it just gave me, it just turned me around. I want to say thank you. And I was getting, I mean, out in the morning, after doing all this kind of crazy social for two two months, I was getting a dozen direct messages a day thanking me. And then and then the Black Lives Matter movement came through, and my kids went marching down in uh, Brighton. My parents were, you know, marching in their old folks' community as much as they can because they couldn't leave the, the things they're in lockdown. And so I, I kind of took a step back from social, which probably I shouldn't have. I should have carried on with trying to entertain people and stuff, but I just, it just didn't feel right because we were looking at so many things that needed to be addressed. Um, and then it got to the third lockdown. I was kind of just worn out from doing all the social media because it takes a toll. Yeah, yeah. And then I found myself just not really motivated. Like I wasn't motivated. I just didn't want to do nothing. I'm like, I need to do so much. Why aren't I doing anything? You know, I got, I always felt like I wasn't, fulfilling my day properly but then i realized you know it's okay to do nothing sometimes you know just take a step back and relax because i got so much on i'm a i'm a full-time single parent i got three teenage boys that i'm raising on my own our house is way too small so i have one kid sitting on a couch you know the other kids are in their bedrooms it's just it's just nuts here and i i think i've had a couple dark moments over the last lockdown i'm not gonna i'm not gonna um i'm not gonna lie you know i always try to put on a brave face for everybody uh, but this this lockdown's been pretty tough, um, but we're, we're we're coming out the other end, and hopefully we'll get some live events going because that's what we need. You know, one thing that did turn around for me this lot this last lockdown was my my writing partner is a guy called Chris Taylor T Bone Chops, and we normally write our cookbooks together in my backyard. So we got the, we fire up all our grills, we sit there, we play classic rock, and we just write really delicious live fire recipes but but he went to make charcoal with my buddy matt williams who i also work on the books with so he wasn't able to do all the stuff plus we're in lockdown so we can't meet up but over the past two months he had to go back to work at masterchef uh to bring some money in to support his family because charcoal wasn't really selling to restaurants during the winter because there weren't any restaurants no. uh they do really well in the summer but winter killed them so every night 
you know, he'd get back from MasterChef shooting Celebrity MasterChef, and he would just talk to me on this computer, bottle of red wine, and we were just knocking out killer recipes, and we go and test them. And I tell you what, that that, that kind of saved me. Getting that, I kind of had a weird writer's block after banging out two books in two years. I just wasn't, I just wasn't motivated. And I, writing, being creative, really helps my mental, my mental health. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't realize it until I started doing it how much better I felt being creative, being productive, being uh, laughing with old friends. I think we missed that camaraderie, that we missed that intimacy, that uh, hug from a mate, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. Massive there's, only, there's only so many hugs my kids can handle. <laughs> well, I think, I think certainly if you work in hospitality as well, irrespective of, uh, you know, whether you've got children or not, hugs is part of the parcel. It's one of the hardest things I think we've had to give up during this whole lockdown. And, you know, for for an industry that's built around bravado, it's uh, <laughs> we are a very touchy-feely, uh, touchy-feely community, aren't we, really? But, yeah, um, which is another reason why I dress pretty flamboyant. I like to break down those stigmas. Like, you know, you know, at Grillstock, uh, British barbecue champs, they, uh, uh, my friend Steve, cross-dressed as priscilla queen of the barbecue with an all-female pit crew and he was done up with pink you know pink nails full hair done up and he won he won grill stock and i was like uh dude cross-dressing with an all-female pit crew i don't know if that could fly in america i know they've come a long way over there but they're they're quite um they could be quite anti you know, they, they want they want that masculinity to be you know men be men and women be women, and I like it when when it flirts and stuff. My, my kid's got a uh, band, and he's got a transgender bass player. So you know over over the last couple of years, I'm learning all all the right pronouns. You know, so I make sure I'm righteous with everybody. Yeah, and, yeah. and I and I I just don't think it needs to be so damn macho. Why can't we just have some fun? That's why I, I do. I've had six custom-made spandex onesies made for me. You know, let's have some fun. Let's just be a bit goofy, you know? I feel that. I dressed up as uh, Captain America once in spandex in one of those, you know, those morph suits. Yeah. I, f- I felt the most alive I'd felt in a long time. I was naked. Because you're naked. <laughs> you're naked. It's just this little thin layer between your, your, your junk and the world, you know? It's kind of, it's kind of liberating. It's like going skinny dipping in the ocean. But yeah. you're skinny dipping it at a festival, but it's okay, and no one can see your junk. Exactly. I, there was, there was, you know, there was no censorship needed. But yeah, it's very, it is very liberating. <laughs> <laughs> He's a, here all week, folks. Try the fish. Yeah, it's interesting. You should talk about creativeness. I mean, we've, I've been working on, um, I've been trying to work out like a, a uh, an easy digestible thing for students and for just general population to to buy into when they want to look after their well being. And as of this morning, so you are the first person to hear this on the 12th of March, right? As of this morning, we've come up with great, right? In order to feel good, you have to feel great. And great is giving and being kind, relationships and connection, education and learning, active, getting active regularly and taking notice. Great. G-R-E-A-T. 
and taking notices like mindfulness and, you know, uh, just being yeah. present in the here and now. And what you've actually just touched upon is the giving, the relationships, the education, the activeness, I think, just comes into into, you know, your general work work anyway. I'm interested about take notice, though. Do you do do you do you ever stop to take take a moment? Nope. And I think that's why I've been kind of a bit down lately. It's because I haven't taken I've been trying to heal everybody else. And then I couldn't even sorry, I couldn't even look at I couldn't even look at myself. Sorry. <laughs> you you asked the question that kind of got me. I don't look after myself enough. That's all right, but none of us are perfect. I'm terrible at it. <laughs> I'm awful. <laughs> and I work in the field of mental health, you know. It's uh sometimes we forget yeah. that actually we're just we're we're carbon based life forms at the end of the day and well our powers aren't limitless. We're not superheroes. Yeah. Sorry. What is it that you think <sighs> what is it that's that sort of got you? You <laughs> You know, when you see a kid hurt himself and if you give them any, if you give them some attention, they'll cry. But if you don't give them any attention, they'll brush it off. Mm. Like if a kid scrapes his knee, like a little kid, you go, you okay. But because you showed them kindness, they sometimes lose it. <laughs> like, oh, because it felt good that you asked, you know, no one ever really asks. <laughs> Because I'm always trying to, I'm trying to fix all my people and my kids, and I forget to fix myself. I think that's a, it's a personality. I think it's a personality trait. I think that um, I'm the same. Um, so I had a, I had a my first uh, anxiety attack a couple of weeks ago, which was interesting. What? I know. Tell me what happened. I don't know. I was just sat in this office. I mean, it's not exactly the nicest of spaces, as you can see, but I sat in the office and all of a sudden the walls started moving in on me and my heart rate went, was going through the roof. And I looked at my watch and I was like, I'm up to over 100 beats per minute. And I just suddenly felt that the, the, the end was coming. And so I picked up the phone. I phoned my wife. I said, look, I don't know what's going on, but you need to come down and help me. You need to just help, help me with work or take something off my plate. And I think because I've been working solidly i mean the burnt chef project is just me it, everything the marketing the, the the whole thing there's no team around me there's no one that i that i use other than a couple of ambassadors and and some people who volunteer their time but i think that i've been doing like 12 hour days constantly thinking constantly trying to serve the community and help them that i actually i <laughs> and that's why i ask about taking notice and being mindful and taking some time for yourself because i wasn't taking any time for myself because I felt that if for one second I stopped, then someone would miss out or something would happen. And it culminated yeah. in, a, in, a, in a minor anxiety attack, which for, for me, oh, man. I, I, I mean, I've not, I've not experienced anything like that. And I guess because I'm quite fortunate in my position where I can go, oh, I'm having a, I'm having a minor panic attack. Oh, this, this is interesting. I've not experienced mm. it. And I sort of lent into it, but it is a, it's, it's a wake up call that, you know, we we can run on adrenaline and we can run on fuel for only so long but in order for us to keep that it's like going to the gym right so here we go here's a good analogy for you if you want to get buff for the summer you'll smash the gym out three months before summer comes right you'll go four times mm -hmm. a week you'll end up ripped you'll look the best you've ever looked in your life summer comes 
you don't go to the gym you're you know you're strutting around you're doing your barbecues you're on your beach wherever it might be and then summer finishes and you've not kept up that 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 gym and so you start to put on the weight and then winter comes you start to feel depressed and then there's next summer comes and you go again whereas if you'd gone to the gym twice a week or did exercise twice a week for 52 weeks of the year you'll be able to do what you do sustainably you'll be able to walk on that beach even when it's snowing looking good or feeling good because it's not just about looking good but because it's sustainable and it's the same with mental health and it's the same with well-being it's like if you just take time out or do mindfulness or you know you connect with people once in a blue moon you'll be able to live your life for three six eight months 12 months solidly but eventually something has to give whereas if you try to build that as part of your routine you can do it sustainably yeah no i i i should i should work out (laughs) i don't do any working out man i I, I, there's just too much going on the hard part is just trying to keep three teenage boys fed the whole time yeah yeah. that's that's my battle and just trying to run a house as a single parent and i had a really nasty divorce um so that that i okay let's talk about mental health i my ex-wife stole my life savings stole the endowment plan uh i gave she she took everything so she kind of broke me I ended up in hospital 50 times in one year. I developed a skin condition. They didn't even really know what it was. It was like the stress gave me like adult psoriasis or eczema kind of thing. You know, I just started getting really itchy spots and things. And I'm like, what? I've never had this problem. And I got tested. I got biopsies. I was getting light therapy three to four days a week at the hospital, um, which really helped. And uh, I, I realized my problems was stress. I wasn't looking after myself and I ended up going to hospital and having to get light treatment just to fix myself. And it manifested. But it manifested, yeah. And, and, and during the summer, I do pretty good because I'm out in the sun. That kind of heals you. The sun's quite healing. I only realized this during the last lockdown because I just soaked up sun as I could. You know, I'm outside cooking barbecue. And um. And then once that sun went away, I wasn't able to soak it up and, and my, my, my problems came back, you know, little, little itchy bits on my leg or something like that. That, that last one of great, the big T is important, you know? It is. And I think, I think the divorce, trying to be a single parent, uh, having to adapt when your company is an events uh, <laughs> hospitality company. I mean, Yeah. Luckily, there was the bounce back loan <laughs> to keep us going. But, you know, a lot of people couldn't even get that. No. Well, I, I, I don't know what we would do if I didn't have the bounce back. Loan. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a challenging couple of years. But for the most part, I'm happy and I'm trying to make other people happy. I just got to look after making myself maybe not putting on a happy face, but actually feeling happy inside is what I need to look more at doing, you know, looking after myself. Yeah, I, I mean, I, it's one of the things. So I did um, over in America recently um, via Zoom. A friend of mine, he's a psychologist, and he did this self-actualization test for me. And uh, we ran through the results. And one of the things that came out high was that I wasn't comfortable with solitude. And I was like, mate, you're talking, you're off your head. I spend all day alone in an office or, you know, walking to and from work, whatever it might be. 
And he says, yeah, but how often are you actually alone in solitude? How often do you have no distractions, no phone, no emails, no headphones, nothing? How often do you just sit and be still in silence? I'm, oh. like, I'm like, no, I can't do that. That's way uncomfortable. He goes, there we go, solitude. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um, good point. I mean, I, I am by myself a lot, but I'm, it's, I'm always on the phone because I'm running like social campaigns or, you know, want, if I wanted to take my mind off it, I'd play a little video game just to kind of numb my brain and just do some puzzles. Um, and yeah, I never really thought about that because I like, so I, I'm a social animal. You know, I love people. I love bringing this crew and going to festivals and just putting on the best show, you know, not just with the music and the, and the people and the craziness, but also with the food, you know, the perfect show. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Solitude. Wow. <laughs> I never thought of it that way. I know. And I, it's, it's like learning to swim or learning to, you know, learning a skill. This is something that doesn't necessarily come naturally to someone like myself and like mindfulness, for example. So I, I actively have to diarize now because, you know, it's very hectic. It's the same sort of situation. So I diarize five minutes a day or 10 minutes a day sometimes. What's diarize mean? Uh, put, in the, put in a diary. So I, I put like a calendar notification to remind me to be mindful. And mindfulness might be like I walk to work without any headphones in and just soak up the sounds, the colors, the sensations, the, the temperature, whatever it might be. And I just fully immerse myself in that moment, not what's happening in the future, what's happened in the past, but just think about, you know, the green of the grass and what does it feel like? What does it smell like? Can you smell it? Can you hear the birds? Like, and just be completely present. And I have found that that is so um it relieves releases so much like stress and pent-up aggression as well i guess because you know just okay constantly at it so it's a good hey next time you're doing that walk next time you do that walk and you're thinking about the grass and how it feels imagine being a dog on a golf course because all the grasses are different and they're they're manicured you got that fro that frog grass whatever before you get to the to the the putting green, whatever that, you know, where the tee, whatever the hole is. Imagine that sponginess if you're a dog running around, you know, and you get into the sand, you got that kind of grass. So whenever I see a dog, I always kind of imagine what they're thinking because <laughs> that yeah. it just makes me giggle. Cause I mean, I have a dog called Crosby and um, I, li I like to kind of put my mind into theirs because <laughs> I think it'd be a really fun existence. Yeah, especially on a golf course. <laughs> I know. Well, I was chatting to a mate of mine um, about golf the other day because I can't play. It stresses me out. Golf. It just makes me so angry. And ironically, that's not what you need to do <laughs> to play golf. Um, so I've said to him, I'm going to go and take some time off and have an afternoon playing golf. So I'm going to, I'm going to, whilst I'm on the golf course, and I'm going to be on my hands and knees stroking the grass. He'll be like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "Well, I spoke to Christian, and he said, get involved." Um, get involved. I, I used to be that golf player as a kid. I was so competitive. I would swing my glove, my clubs. And then I realized, man, you know, this competitiveness is, is not good for my well being. And then I, I just kind of made this conscious decision to not to be, not to care anymore about being competitive and winning. And I, once I took that out of my mindset, I'm always a much happier person. I really, I, I, once I didn't care about winning, and just having fun, everything changed. Because I was very competitive as a kid. I mean, I wanted to win everything I did.
But um, but it, it, it stressed me out, like you said. Man, man, I would throw my club. I mean, not crazy, but I would get so mad. And it wasn't good. But once you just get rid of that competitive edge and just kind of, um, you know, it, it's I'll, I'll put an example. I was playing basketball in a league at University of Maryland. That's where I went to university. I was studying radio, television, film. And we had uh, a basketball league. We had the A League, the B League, and the C League. And the A League was all the top players. The B League, pretty good players. C League, just people want to have some fun. And I could have played in the A League, you know, easily in the B League. But I just, I didn't, they were too effing serious. Yeah. And I look at, the way I play sports, I like to look at it as WWF wrestling. I like a bit of smack talk. I like to mess with them. I like to have fun. And so we had the most fun team in the C League. And I had a lot of my friends that were playing in the A League going, hey, man, can we play with you? Because it's just not fun over there. You know, yeah. they're just too competitive. And I'm competitive, but I also want to enjoy what I'm doing. I'm like, yeah, come down to C League, you know. And we, we our team got really good because I kept getting all the ringers coming down to have fun with us. And, um, Yeah. It's Don't not, take life too seriously. Try to have some fun, everybody. That's that's the message we're we're throwing out. Well, that's that solves my next one, which was the most important thing you've learned in life. But I think that's uh, <laughs> I think it's it's a great thing. I mean, it, it you know, in terms of synergy, it's it's culture, isn't it? And what you've just said is actually quite interesting, and it's something that we're working on now. It's like you can work your ass off to get like Michelin's or accolades or be you know head chef or you know sommelier whatever it might be and you can throw everything you've got at getting that position but ultimately does it make you happy and does that make the culture that surrounds you a happy and a good environment to be in because once that you start to adopt that nothing else matters but this and this award all of a sudden no one else is really sort of like they're not on board with you whereas what you're saying and again it to, to to put it into some some likeness is that actually if you can get that balance whereby you can do something you love, but also have that, that camaraderie and that, that laugh and that culture, then more yeah. people will want to join you and, and take part. Hey, well, okay. I know Madonna and Dizzy Rascal told me to put name dropping, but Jamie Oliver said he got some great advice from Paul Smith. Okay. Boom. There was four names right there. <laughs> I dropped four names. Anyway, um, drop. <laughs> Madonna hasn't spoken to me. Paul McCartney used to give me a lot of crap for name dropping. Anyway, um, Jamie, because when we were at FUTU, Jamie told me some good advice. He's like, Christian, I was trying so hard to be number one. It was like my whole thing. I wanted to be the best at everything. And then Paul Smith said, Jamie, it's best to be number two or three. Because if you're number one, you're going to be stressed about staying at number one. But if you're number two or three or even lower, you're always trying to reaching. And it's always fun to reach than to look and keep them back behind you he's like relax a bit more be happy with being number two or three you know or wherever you are in life just it's all about being happy and and uh he said that really changed his his way of thinking um so good old paul smith <laughs> that's amazing one, that of, one, of, one of one of the uk's best designers yeah yeah so uh you've i mean i, I see you did didn't you host uh, snowboarding comp with kylie minogue as well no, I, yeah, well, I did eight half hour shows with Kylie Minogue. So I used to be on MTV for about three or four years as um, we had a show called Snow Snowball. So I went around the world snowboarding and 
they they had Mike Patton from Faith No More booked in to be my co-host for the series. Amazing. Then they then they swapped it with Coolio. Then it went then it went to the guy from Machine Head, Rob Flynn, and then last second they put in um Kylie Minogue. <laughs> I don't understand how you've gone from like Faith No More to Kylie Minogue. <laughs> yeah, passing Machine Head it, on the way. <laughs> yeah, oh sorry, Machine Head was um sorry that was the Metal Hammer Golden God Awards I used to host. Sorry, I different awards, sir, different shows. So yeah, it was uh, Mike Patton, Coolio, then Kylie Minogue, and we did eight half hour shows together. And I tell you what, she rips on a snowboard. Like you, you freak out if you saw how good she was because uh, we got to the top of the mountain and we we shot all our links for the the series and. I saw these avalanche barriers. I was like, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go bomb in between them. Uh, you might want to go down over there to the cat track and just meet me down there. She's like, no, no, I'm gonna follow you. <laughs> and and she did and was right on my tail because she's so little. She just kind of floats. It was about a foot and a half of fresh powder. So she was just skimming it. That's amazing. It was I didn't rad. realize there was so much yeah. snow in Australia. <laughs> oh no, this this was in, I mean, I used to live in Australia and they have actually tons of skiable terrain. Um, we shot in Austria. Well, she would have had to pra- practice she, that, I guess. So, like, I guess it's one of her hobbies. She's she's been heli boarding. She's done it all. Like, she she can skate too. We did some skateboarding links, and she she jumped on the back of my skateboard, and we bombed around a hotel. That's class. It leads me on quite nicely onto my next question. Actually, obviously, you're you're well known for your as you've discussed for your barbecue and your broadcasting, and uh, you know, and your music. And also your creativeness and your book writing and 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 you know, entertaining the masses. But what hobbies or interests do you have that people don't know about? Oh my gosh, hobbies! I mean, I'm pretty vocal about everybody seeing everything. Um. Oh my god, that's a god. I think I need a hobby. You know, <laughs> I don't know where you'll fit a hobby in. <laughs> I don't think I, 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 you know what? I don't, I don't really have a hobby because I don't, there's too much to do. I, it, I you, you may, I've, I've had a bit of self realization with the, the last letter in great. <laughs> and I need to take care of myself and, and maybe, um, yeah. I, I used to really be into comic books and, and I collect, graphic novels and i love that world um and but i just haven't had the time to to get back into it you know i just i haven't read a book in a long time i need to kind of find find some christian time do you know what christian what i'm gonna do i haven't launched this the whole great concept yet i'm gonna change the last one based on on our discussion today i'm not gonna call it take notice i'm gonna call it time because I think it's important. I think that taking time for yourself is, I think that's, that's congratulations. You have just uh, hopefully something that many students and people within hospitality will adopt and remember. <laughs> and it's down to you. You can put a mark on that. What a minute. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is I, I do take a little bit of time. Like I'll just come up into my room, you know, and, 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 you know, just get on my phone and play some games just to kind of, that's kind of the one little distraction I have from cooking and cleaning and, and making content. And we, we haven't even had the chance to get back on the road and cook. 
Mm-hmm. Um, cause that, and that's the hardest job. Cause it's just, imagine, I mean, restaurant, restaurants are hard. Festival restaurants are just a different beast because you've got to build everything. And we don't cook on gas or electricity. We cook everything on fire. So it's, it's a big day build. We have a lot of staff and, and it, it, it takes a lot for us to kind of put out that product. You know, it takes 19 hours for our food to be ready, you know? <laughs> apart from the burgers, but the pulled pork, you know, it's 19 hours. So it's just a lot of babysitting and, but I, I, I miss it so much, but hopefully we're going to get back to it this summer. Hopefully we're going to, we'll be back. I just booked in my, uh, back, my, my coronavirus uh, vaccine appointment. I think it's next Tuesday. I got nice. the, I got the text yesterday. Well, I'm 53, so I'm I'm a lot older than everybody kind of thinks I am. Uh, <laughs> well, your, your um, en- energy dictates that you're nearer 23, so uh, you're doing well, mate. I'm just getting started, buddy. I'm just getting started. This is the first day of the rest of my life. I love that. I love that a lot. Um, I mean, you've you've achieved a lot already, and I'm sure that I've got no doubts at all from talking to you that you're going to end up achieving some other monumental massive things in life but for someone who doesn't know where to begin isn't sure what what's what step they want to take in life and feels perhaps a little bit at loss have you got any advice for someone who perhaps wants to follow a, a similar career path or or a, something that you've learned make sure you enjoy what you do I, I look forward to going to work i look forward to my jobs i like you know i've i've done a couple nine to five jobs and i being indoors under a light just made me fall asleep. <laughs> I just wasn't, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. If I was in that room right now, I, I don't know if I could, I could do it. I just, the light would kill me and I just start nodding off. I just, I need, oh man, you got to find something that makes you happy, you know? And I know some people just need to provide for their kids or provide for their family or just go out and eat. So you do whatever you can, but try to, work your life so whatever you do decide to do brings joy to you you know i know it's hard to have a job all jobs that could make that can create joy but that's why i created dj barbecue you know i i always thought what's the quickest way to someone's heart and it's either through the stomach or the ears you know good music good conversation and good food and that can change people so and when we go to festivals and someone comes up to me after they've had one of my sandwiches, like that is the best pulled pork sandwich I've ever had. I'm like, awesome. You know, and, and all of a sudden I feel good. They feel good, but I feel even better because yeah. I served it to them. Some dad came up to me once. He's like, this is my, um, this is my daughter. She's 12 years old. She's had five of your sandwiches in three days. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, are, are you okay? You know, that's good eating, you know? And, and she's like, he's like, she can't get enough of it. And I'm like, oh, wicked. And, you know, we're standing around the cooker. I'll have a wife come over to me and say, you know what? My, my husband never cooked barbecue. Didn't like cooking at all. You got your first book, got a grill. Now we can't get him off of it. He just wants to cook all the time on the grill. And it's thanks to you. And I'm like, awesome. Yay. You know, it, and I get those, those kind of empowerments from people, you know, Joseph Campbell always talked about the empower, you know, the empowerment of man, but empowerment of people. You know, I'm trying to use the word people more because I know we're talking about stigma and 
and calm and all the stuff that's, that happens in the in. But it's 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 all sexes. Especially what's going on right now with with um with Black Lives Matter, women's rights. We've had a very toxic president in America that just divided a country, uh, made try to make racism an okay thing, which it never is. It's uh, this world's been shooken up, but I think swinging so far right, it's got to bring the pendulum back to more moderate, more caring world. Um, and I, I'm quite vocal on social about politics. I, you know, we we preach about religion and Christianity, and it's about feeding people and looking after people. But whenever it comes into politics, they go, "Well, that's socialism. That's bad. That's wrong." It's like, well. What's wrong with caring and looking after people and wanting a better life for the for people? If I have to pay more in taxes so that family can have a you know a better chance, then what's wrong with that? Well, I don't understand why people are anti making everybody better, lifting mm-hmm. everybody up. We all grow together, and I just I know we all have differences of opinions, but I. Just wish we could all get on the same playbook to just be kind and and lift everybody else up instead of knocking it down. Like you saw Meghan Markle talking about suicidal thoughts. And then you see people saying, I don't believe a thing she said. Fuck you for even going there. For even questioning someone talking about mental health. They 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 went after her. And I was like, wow. So when Princess Di had the problem, you know, had her problems, you, you know, you're okay with it. But when Meghan Markle does, what well, everybody chat, not everybody, a lot of people, you know, support her. You know, it's a brave thing to come out and talk about mental health. And she did it on Oprah. Yeah. And then got chastised for it. And people say, I don't believe you. You're an actress. You know what? For someone that was maybe hurting, you know, and then sees like one of their you know, when one of their idols, Meghan Markle, breaking it down, their mental health issues. I mean, that would have meant a lot to that person. Yeah. And then, and then peers and all these other fuckwads come on there and, and diss her for talking about it. And this is what you said was the problem with mental health for men, really. Men's health. It's just the, the talking about it's been squashed. You know, it's not okay to cry. Man, I'll I'll cry when Cheryl Cole cries on X Factor. Man, I I'm a I'm a wuss when it comes to crying. I mean, I've, I've been struggling this whole last little bit not to cry on you. Um, that really angered me, bro. What was your opinion on that when she talked about her mental health? To be honest, I don't watch much media. Um, I. Uh don't really pay much attention to the news. I'm so absolved in my own little world and doing what I do, I find that that's the best way. I must admit, I caught a, a clip of it my wife showed me. And for me, I think that for anyone talking about their own mental health, uh, and certainly the subject of suicide, it takes an obscene amount of courage and vulnerability to yep. do that. And for anyone in particular that thought that it was an act or it was, you know, it was fakery, then I just think you'd have to ask yourself is what sort of human being would 
shove that in the face of the thousands and millions of people that have died from suicide and then the increasing rate of suicide, you know, you would have to be devoid of any emotion or, or care. Or I don't know, I, I, or living under a rock. Like, I think that like mm. even, the, even the word suicide has got such stigma and shame and everything else attached to it incorrectly that I think that for someone to, to, to mention the subject and to come out and say that on TV yeah. could have been, and if it was, you know, if, if those individuals who were shaming her for that, if they had become a little bit more understanding, it could have been a major turning point in the subject of mental health, but instead yeah. they've put it back even further. Well, man, very articulate, my friend. That was very well said. And the uh, you, you hold, hold your breath, Piers Morgan. Don't 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 chastise somebody. Don't 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 get down on someone because, like you said, it takes courage to talk about it. You know, um, I'm lucky that I, I um, you know, I'm a public speaker, so I can talk about it. You got me all welling up here. <laughs> Sorry, I keep wiping my eyes and blowing my nose. I didn't think I'd be going down the crying route on this one. <laughs> Sorry, you obviously weren't told what the Bird Chef project was. <laughs> it's well, like... no, I knew it was mental health, but uh, you know, no, it's it's fine. Uh, it's... You, you, yeah, you, you've you've touched some points that made me do some recollecting and some kind of look at myself instead of keep looking at everybody else to make sure they're happy around me. Yeah, it's uh, the, I spoke to um, an ambassador of mine, Jacqueline Wilson. She runs a uh, so she runs a catering company. Similarly, similarly to yourself, I, I, I think not quite on the same scale, but um, she, one thing that she said in a, in a snippet I used at the beginning of the podcast was that she says that sometimes uh, we don't like to look inside because ultimately that's where the monsters are, and that's where the dark, <laughs> that's that's where the darkness is, and we distract ourselves by looking forward all the time. I mean, we go, that's all right. We're we're, you know, we're helping other people. and We're doing other things. We've got this coming up and this coming up. This coming up. But actually, in order to bolster yourself and to make yourself that 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 stronger individual and to learn your well, you've got to learn about yourself and you've got to address sometimes address those uh, those insecurities, um, whether that's doing it on your own in, in quiet reflection or, or getting you know professional help to do it with you. I mean, I went through cognitive behavioral therapy and she took me all the way back until I was Christ 14. No, she took me back further than that and she started talking about relationships and stuff that I'd had and uh yeah I suddenly realized that my entire foundation for my very existence was built around something I'd learn at a very early age and it wasn't fault but what'd you call cognitive what'd you call it it's cognitive behavioral therapy say okay CBT so you basically sit there in a room with someone you've never met before uh, well, after the first session, you, you get acquainted with them and they just sit there and they ask you questions and they'll be like, so how are you feeling today? And they won't say anything. And you'll be like, yeah, I feel all right. I'm like, okay, so why are you here? And you'll be like, well, I don't know. I, I think I'm damaged inside. And she's like, why do you think that? <laughs> and before you know it, an hour's gone and you go, <laughs> right, well, that, that got deep. And then the, the, the sessions build and build and build. And before you know it, you're oh, literally... Geez. So you talk about politics, for example, I will never really, it's uncomfortable for me and I'm learning to, to, you know, to deal with this, but 
I, I, so I had a personality crisis when I was 29 years old, right? I went home. I asked my wife for a, for a divorce. Uh, out of the blue, uh, I'm married with two children, a great job, great marriage. Everything was fine. But in my head, it wasn't. And I got well out of it. And I thought, I don't belong. I don't belong with my friends. I don't belong playing for the rugby club I, I play for. I don't belong in my marriage. No one wants me. Everyone else is you know, happily, happily going through life. And here I am struggling through it. And so it, it ended up me going home and just sort of packing my bags and saying to my wife, I, I want a divorce. And she went, where the hell has this come from? And yeah. I was like, I've got, a, I've got a problem. So it turned out that actually what had happened is at a very early age, and I can remember the exact day, this is clear as crystal in my head when I was about 16 or 17, when I decided that the only way to get through life was to modify my behavior, to fit in with the people around me. And that meant yeah. sacrificing my views, my values, everything. And that just became part of my character. Man, that, that's me. That's, I, I, I don't want anybody upset around me. I, I, I modify everything to make sure the room is happy and entertained. Like I, I fill in, I fill in whatever, when, when people aren't talking, I, I'll just talk like crazy just because, ooh, that's weird. There's no one talking. Yeah, man, good point, I do, brother. I do the same. I can't stand silences. Yeah, actually, silences are the, one of the most powerful, powerful things, certainly on the subject of mental health. You know, asking someone if they're okay, and if they don't give you a response within a couple of seconds, normally, you know, individuals like yourself or m myself would fill that space and be like, oh, you know, and, and, and try and talk. But sometimes that extra... Four, five, six, seven seconds <laughs> is just what's needed for that other individual to say, oh, actually. I'm, well, you, you got me earlier and now it's going again. The waterworks. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I'm, you know, you've got my number. I'm always here for you, man. But um, I think it's, it's, yeah. It, I think that we have to realize at some stage that we can be quite extrovert as individuals and you and I, I think are quite similar in the fact that if you put, put us in the middle of a room, we'll make sure that that room is pointing at us and we're, we're entertaining and we're, you know, we're, we're dominating conversation, not in a harsh way, but you know, we're, we're creating an atmosphere. Yeah. But I think that also sometimes we've got to realize that um, that's, that's our, that's like our face. That's our go-to, go-to um, personality. But then also we have our own intrinsic values. We have the things that we know are right and that we know are wrong. And sometimes we just need to tap into them and take a little bit of time for ourselves. And I, as I say, I'm learning. You know, therapy was yeah. for me four or five years ago and I'm still learning. But that's why I started the Burnt Chef Project. It was because yeah. I was, you know, it got to the stage where I didn't want other people to go through what I'd gone through. And just wanted to raise awareness really and just let other people and that's that's the whole thing about this podcast as well it's not just about mental health the podcast is about inspiration because what you see here and what you've built what you've built what i've built has been through steam and determination and this didn't exist like no one came to us and said like here's a business model here's something that's going to change, <laughs> pe change people's lives or improve people's lives this is being built from determination i didn't know how to build a business i didn't know how to do any of the stuff that you see and probably similarly to yourself but with willpower and determination and just persistence i think that anyone out there can achieve what they want to do to be able to make a complete meaningful change to their life and also a meaningful change to other people's lives as well and that's where the well, you, you asked me 
you asked me a while ago about what advice you would give to someone younger who's trying to get into this thing. And if you can, that's it is you can't, it's hard to tell someone not to do something that doesn't make them happy because people just need to eat and provide and pay rent and keep a roof over their heads. But if you can do anything in your power to, to create your own, be your own boss, you know, I know it's hard to do, but that's, I wasn't really that great at working for other people. I was really good at, I mean, creating a team around me and I always tell them I'm working for you, you know, like to all my guys, I ain't the boss. I work for you guys. Cause I surround myself with much smarter people. <laughs> and J- Jamie Oliver told me that he's like, you got to surround yourself with the best people with, the, with good people. And that, that's the only way you'll grow, you know? And, and just don't bully people, man. Like I, 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 I see some bullying in, in restaurants. I see some bullying by chefs and God, that that's gotta be soul destroying for some of these up and coming chefs. Uh, and I just think if you're a chef and you think it's really good to, to yell at somebody and throw shit at them and that's that way to handle that situation. Fuck you. Yeah. So, so I can't remember who I was speaking to the other day. I was speaking to someone about behaviors and, um, and high stress behavior, stress behaviors and the way that we react to things. So when I'm, when I'm getting mentally unwell, if I'm, if I'm starting to slip, my tolerance goes down, my anger flares up. Not that I'm an angry person. I'm quite passive and I'm quite empathetic, but sure. um, I, I react quite quickly. Like, can you take dishes or can you wash the dishes? And I'll be like, no, why are you asking me that for? And like, you, you find that. And then when you start to think about it and you think about the stereotypical like chef, and it's got a lot better than it used to be, but you know, the chef of throwing the pan across and screaming like the Gordon Ramsay, basically the Gordon Ramsay-esque back in the day. And you think, is that a learned behavior? Is that personality? Or is that someone who is experiencing a mental health issue and just doesn't know it yet? And also, I think, I think you've answered the question with that one, you know, yeah. saying that he's, he's making what 25 million a year in America and he's the number one chef over there. <laughs> but I, I, you know, I, I got bullied by a chef when he was working for me. Well, sorry, I was working for him, but yeah, he was, he was one of my chefs and he bullied me. And at the end of, at the end of a, we, we had some flooding at a festival. Um, so we had to shut down. And then three hours later, we open up. And of course, there's this huge queue of people to eat our barbecue. And I'm DJing somewhere else. I'm DJing over here. And I'm, I'm still running around doing all my stuff to, you know, for DJ barbecue. And uh, I come back and he's just, he's just tears me an asshole for about 40 minutes. But he was drinking wine since noon. And, and that out, and he just, he, he just, I ended up going to my tent and crying. I was like, how can such a good friend, you know, tell me off? I mean, it's my company, but he's like, we're so busy. You weren't here. And I'm like, well, of course you're going to be busy. There was no food on on site for three hours. You're going to get busy. And everything's been blown over because of the flooding. You know, we just, we've got a full crew. Let's just, you know, we'll make things work. But he felt he had the need to, um, to bully me. And he used to work for Ramsey and he's just still a good friend. He resigned the next week. <laughs> yeah. I uh, know, but 
I think with those, if anything, it's those sort of individuals. I mean, I've spoken to uh, Matt Bay and Claire Smith, both of which have worked for Ramsey for a long period of time. And they are the nicest, like, their, just their whole concept of team and ethics. And like Claire was saying, she doesn't even like banging pans in her kitchen. And she wants you know, all of her staff to be resilient and to stand up for themselves if they get grief from the customers and the three Michelin star restaurant and all this sort of stuff. And for me, that 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 goes to show that I think where we are certainly within the last 10, 15 years, we're at this turning point whereby people actually acknowledge that that sort of behavior is incorrect. But I think where, where I'd really like to get to with the burnt chef project is for individuals like your chef is to put out an olive branch and be like, look, mate, firstly, think this isn't the way how you deal with this interaction. But secondly, what, yeah. what can we do for you? Because, that's that's not that's not you know that's not a, a healthy way of of handling this situation and how right. can we get to that? And I'm not saying that we have to be responsible for every individual who starts screaming and shouting at us because some people, you know, the first step is is admitting to yourself that you need to need to change or you need to need to get help and improve your well being. But I think that we need to sort of we just need to be mindful. I think as an industry that the industry potentially due to its high levels of prolonged stress may have created these individuals and their behaviors. And I think that if we can, if they are willing to work to try and address that, then I think that certain businesses can perhaps offer that olive branch to them and be like, look, you know, this is potentially a sign of high stress and and, uh, mental illness. And it could just be that you're an absolute dick. (laughs) Also at the same time, you know, there's an option here where we, we can try and turn this around. Um, yeah, it was quite profound, that it was very profound. <laughs> you know, I, I had a friend, you, you should write all that. You go back and listen to that. You know, I, I had a friend, I had a friend who worked for Gordon Ramsay for a long time, wrote, wrote books with him, and you know, ran a lot of his food operations. And I was like, what all I see is this guy that bullies people, you know, but he's so successful. You know, why do bullies win? You know, same with Trump. I, I remember the day Trump, uh, the day before Trump won. Uh, you know, you all you saw was him bullying people, you know, veterans, uh, anybody who wasn't, you know, right, you know, wasn't Republican or white um, or, or male, he would destroy them. And I said to my kids, you know, bullies never win. Bullies will never, you know, he will never be president because he bullies people. And then the next morning, you know, I, I got my phone and I'm like, holy crap. And I, I remember I go to my son, Frazier, and he was, I think he was 10 years old at the time. I go, hey, Frazier, guess who won? And he went, Hillary? I go, he's like, dad, you're messing with me. Hillary won, right? You said, you know, bullies don't win. And I go, I know. And he goes, let me see your phone, dad. I don't believe you. I don't believe you. And I showed him. I go, look, the bully won, but he won't win for long. And my friend who worked for, for Gordon Ranch said he is the nicest, most wonderful guy to be around yeah. 98% of the time. Yeah, yeah. But there's this 2% where he will unleash on you in front of people you care about. And after a while, you can't do it anymore. Like he berates you so badly. And she's like, I love the 98% of him being the sweetest man ever. But it was that a little percentage of just him knocking me down a couple of times in front of people that I love and, you know, my peers and I just like, I can't work for them anymore. 
Isn't it interesting? See, I don't know because I've spoken to a couple of people now, and there's a uh, you know a few people like Paul Ainsworth, who, whose um, episode hasn't hasn't aired at this point, but he's good friends with Gordon Ramsay, and so is Claire Smith, and so is Matt. And I was like, what is it about you know? Because we've seen this, you know, we've seen this this character being portrayed as this you know angry macho just domineering individual and they're like no he's not like that he is care caring and thoughtful and all yep. of this sort of stuff and that for a second i was like bloody hell i mean how much of it do you reckon is i mean you've worked you've worked in the tv and, and sort of that broadcasting industry how much of that do you reckon is dramatized and and, and just a character that it's a total character i mean i i build characters around me i i i wear spandex i i bring you know, whenever Jamie Oliver's director was like getting me to do a recipe, he's like, you know, I, I would do my first link to camera and I would, you know, hey, what's up, everybody? It's DJ Barber. He's like, cut, cut. We're going to do it again. And I need you to bring the rad. So I got to go to this level, you know, hey, guys, it's DJ Barbecue today. We're going to go on a search and destroy mission on your taste buds to bring epic awesomeness, you know. And, and I realized that, yeah, you, no one wants to see someone talking monotone unless it's like that, that school teacher in uh, Ferris Bueller's day off, you know, can anyone please describe asexual activity? And Ferris says, yeah, your wife. <laughs> and it was that, that monotone voice of that guy, you know, it worked there, but mo mostly people want to see a larger than life character. That's what Gordon does. Um, and I hope he's that sweet, kind man that everybody says he is. Cause I've heard that, but then it's those stories you hear from people that you know what worked for him and the, the yelling matches they got from him. But I'm hoping he's kind of learned from all that and he's just yeah. doing it for the cameras. That's what I'm kind of hoping. Yeah, I think hey, we, we've all made mistakes. We've all not dealt with things in, in a certain way and we learn from them. <laughs> and you, you've actually got me panicked now because if people don't want to listen to monotone voice, then they're fucked with me. <laughs> my whole, yeah, monotone, my whole you got a lovely demeanor. voice, dude. My whole demeanor no, you got is, a lovely voice. <laughs> no, I uh, I was thinking about that today because I, I watched a couple of your episodes fairly recently and I was thinking about your energy and, and how you come across. And for me, like, I, I, I recorded an episode there, an intro to an episode. I was like, hi, guys, it's Chris here from the Virgin Project. And I thought, it just doesn't fit. And it doesn't, it does not comfortable to me either. For me, it's no. like... Can do it. I, I have I have a hard time watching me being super amped. I, so I got I got an eyelash in my eye from crying. So I've been blinking. I'm I am you are a good looking dude, and I have been winking at you, but it wasn't for that reason. Oh, I had a nice. an eyelash in my right eye. Cheers. I'm crying. Uh, sorry. What were we just talking about? Being amped, like trying to. Yeah, yeah. I just I, I well I, yeah. I have a hard time watching myself, but then I tried doing like kind of more laid back stuff, and then. And it's easier because you can just relax and talk, but people don't engage. The reason Gordon wins is because he's so damn hot and cold and mean and, and gnarly. You know, it, if, I, if I was in a pantomime or in a movie, I, you damn straight, you, you, I want to be the bad guy, you know? Mm. Way more fun. Alan Rickman in Die Hard, I want to be that guy. I want to be the school principal in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, I, you know? The assholes are fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That didn't sound right. <laughs> but that's, they're they're watchable. You know, you might not like Kanye West, and I, I'm pretty sure he has some mental health issues, but 
you're still going to watch him and you're still going to listen to him because, you know, no matter how controversial he is, he's still out there. I just, I just hope someone's looking after my, my, my mother's bipolar and she had, she was on medication. So my mom, I, I got crazy parents. My mom was the disco queen of the East coast. She was a model, a dancer, very flamboyant. When she walked into a bar restaurant and I'd be like the little kid with her, she wanted every man's eyes on her. She was quite, I mean, she was, she won about, I think, five or six uh, beauty contests. And, and she, you know, she was going to New York to dance at Studio 54. She was doing disco demos during the, the 70s. Nice. And then my dad was the greeting card salesman for Hallmark Cards and the ex-naval officer uh, from Iowa. You know, <laughs> crazy mom, thoughtful dad, bipolar mom, very careful and calm and well-read father. Thank God <laughs> I've got a, I've got a follow like that, but I'm glad I still have my crazy mom, even though she kidnapped me twice when I was in second grade in year two. Um, and I missed a lot of school for about a year. Cause I was getting, I got kidnapped tw- twice by my mother, once by my father. Yeah. I should probably go see a psychiatrist, huh? <laughs> Dude, Jeez. I was about to say yin yang. Like it sounds like those two balanced balanced each other's out. But uh, no, not not really. Not when yeah, my mom was she was partying too hard, and my dad couldn't handle it. So uh, yeah, he divorced her. But he won us in a landmark court case. So I was raised by my father, which is kind of cool that he came to me and said, "You gotta you gotta take care of these kids. They're not they haven't been to school for two to three years. Your ex wife's got some mental health issues. You need to you need to step up and." I go, how am I going to be DJ barbecue? I travel. That's what I do for a living. He's like, you have no choice, Christian. You've got to be strong for your kids. So called my divorce lawyer and said, I know I wanted a quickie divorce, but I want, I'm going to get the kids and I'm going to put them back in school and I'm going to raise them on my own. And thank God my father came to me and did that because it's the best thing. It's the best job I've ever had. I love DJ barbecue. I love doing everything I do with that, but being a father is the best. You know, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It's the hardest job in the world as well, and you don't get paid for it. It's the <laughs> how, how old are your kids? Uh, so I've got Amelia and Orla. So Millie's eight, and Orla is five, but they're so completely different. Millie is the sensitive, yeah. sensitive, caring, and Orla's the younger version of me. So she's also sensitive <laughs> and caring, but she's also bloody minded and fierce <laughs> and highly intelligent. But um. I mean, both of my kids, I'm quite lucky. Both of my kids are, are, are very smart and, and gaining their worldly wisdom. But uh, sometimes you'll look at them, don't you? You look at your children or you have a conversation and you'll be like, God, how did, how is that even possible? How did we create something so so yeah. good, you know? Um, and I know, you, you know, you've got to look at it objectively and go, well, it's the, it's the love of a father or a mother or whatever it might be, but yeah they they make you look at the world in a different way and they also make you look at yourself as well don't they oh my my oldest is the most observant person i've ever met you know he's very thoughtful and just careful with his words (laughs) total opposite of me you know i'm this mr you know i fire there's no mouth filter as you can probably tell and then i then my firstborn son blue is just this really careful stoic observant from a young age the teacher was like your son is so observant. And um, so he's, he's made me kind of chill out a bit and just to kind of be a bit more measured. 
sometimes. But I look at him and as my inspiration. Yeah, yeah. And then there's the middle one who's just kind of just makes me laugh and goofy. And then there's the youngest one who's the smartest in the bunch. The 14 year old is just this super crazy intelligent kid, like programming. He knows like three different you know computer languages. He's writing code and stuff, and he's 14. He's he made money over lockdown playing video games in oh, tournaments. Wow. Seriously. Yeah. Can I can I tell you my favorite? I think childhood memory was my granddaddy and I would go fishing on the Atlantic. We'd catch about 150 fish. Uh, every weekend and then we go to the docks and i would just sit there and gut 150 fish you know clean them all out and and then my granddaddy would save all the plastic bags from like the 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 bread all those little plastic sleeves he would it was all about saving and reusing back then and he would fill up each little bag with about five croakers or spots as we're catching good size fish good size fish and He'd pack them in like two coolers. We put them in the back of these, this huge truck car. And it's about, it was about a 40 minute drive back to uh, grandma's house. And on the way there, he would drop off fresh fish, family, friends, work colleagues. He just, it would take us two hours to get home after a long day fishing. But we would come back with fresh bread, meat, fruit from people's yards. Um, yeah, yeah. And it was such a lovely way to barter. You know, he was just being kind because we got it. We, we had a cache of fish and he's looking to look out everybody with some fresh fish. And then we got our own stuff. And then we get home. Grandma would get the cast iron skillet out, throw in some lard, uh, cornmeal on the fish and do a fish fry, you know, with some spoon bread and collard greens. Nice. And we worked for that. But we also got we also made a lot of people happy with with our bounty. And they and they hooked us up with their bounty. Trade. And that was my favorite currency. Yeah. Let's take it back. A bit more yeah. tangible, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And also you feel good and you're, you've done, you know, you not only have you done something well, but you've also ended up getting up something completely uninvited. You haven't done something. So intrinsic and extrinsic value, right? Intrinsic value is things that make you feel good inside. Extrinsic values are the things that we buy that make us feel good for a brief moment. And so what you're doing is intrinsically, you're making yourself feel good, you're making others feel good, and you're not doing it for anything in return. But naturally, that's how it works. And that's how society should work. But again, I, but I never looked at it. I never looked at it then because I was like eight, you know, nine, 10, 11. I was just doing what granddad told me. I mean, I it, it sucked taking all the guts out of that <laughs> those damn fish, you know? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> what a job. <laughs> One time we, we we had a crazy day. I think we did like 225 fish. And it was me, my granddaddy, and my uncle Seely gutting. They would do the slice and I had to pull all the guts out. Oh, you got the best job then, <laughs> lucky boy. Yeah. That's hierarchy, that is again society. You know, yeah. the elders get the best job. <laughs> yeah. They would just do they would do the head and the slit, and then I had to de-gut anyway. But it, it felt good providing, you know fresh food for family and friends and that's what you do now you provide for food for for people that you call friends you know the, the... maybe that was it maybe granddaddy you know inspired me you know he, he from those day those early days in virginia beach virginia cooking you know providing fresh fish and now because he would always throw cookouts you know he would do clam bakes fish fries 
down there. Um, he was always throwing those kind of parties. And maybe that's where I got the, I I really thought about it. Like you got me thinking a lot now about how I got to be where I am. And now I'm thinking might've been granddaddy. (laughs) Okay. Mate, sorry, I didn't mean for this to be a therapist session. I'm not, I'm not a trained clinic, clinician or psychiatrist, but you're good. You're good. <laughs> You've got my number. If you need me, you know where I am. All right, we're we're friends now. We're pals. Well, don't you? I've got, I've got your. Don't back. you have two more questions for me? I do. I do. So, <laughs> so one question that I ask all of my all of my guests uh, is: if you were to provide some advice to a sixteen-year-old version of yourself, what would you tell yourself? Uh, don't sweat the bad stuff. Be- listen listening is a very hard skill i need to listen better listen be kind if you if you can't say anything nice don't say anything at all was my grandma grandma always said um but you know try, try to yield a path in your life that that keeps that makes you happy that inspires you do everything in your power to 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 find stuff that makes you feel good inside. You know, I, what I do makes, makes some people feel good inside, you know, food and music, but it, it fills me with joy. It fills me with, you know, I, with my platform that I've built and people reaching out, you know, Hey, I saw you talking about mental health. You know, it meant a lot to me. Oh man, I, I did this tomato pie recipe from your book, fire food. Oh, I did your smash burger for the burger book and all those little things. They, they kind of, they 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 make me feel they make me glow inside they make my heart warm yeah and uh i oof, i'm lucky i mean i've had to work my ass off to get to this <laughs> but uh it's it's one of the best jobs i mean anybody could ever have being dj barbecue <laughs> well i have to say personally i love talking to you uh, the energy and the enthusiasm that I get from you makes me instantly within the first two minutes made me feel a hell of a lot better about the day. Not that it was a bad day to begin with. So thank you. You have a you have a gift, sir, for that. Um, so where I, my last question is a very simple one. Where can people find you and where are you going to be next? When will we see DJ Barbecue in action at a festival? Whew, well, you know, the festivals are all planning, so we're planning too, but if it happens, it happens. Um, we, I think our next, um, I'm booked in to host Tastes of London. Uh, I think they've got like, they're doing two weekends because crowds are going to be a bit smaller. Mm-hmm. So people are adapting. So I'll be hosting Taste. I think July is like the first month you might see us on the road. And that'll be in Regis Park. Then it'll be at the, at the end of the month, we'll be at Camp Festival in Castle Lulworth. And then we're booked for a big festival. Um, we do a lot of live fire course day work. So you can look on Hunter Gather Cook's website and find that. Um, or just we're online, man. DJ Barbecue on Instagram, Twitter. You, we, have, we have a YouTube channel. So there's about 100, 250 recipes online. So if you're looking for inspiration, head over to DJ Barbecue or go to Jamie Oliver's channel because I've got about 100 videos on that channel as well. Um, Man, I can't wait to see real people <laughs> instead of through a camera and a Zoom. Yeah, uh, amen. Yeah. Amen. Uh, hopefully, hopefully May, you'll see us. I think so. And do you know what? I think that this year, 
I know there's been a lot of cancellations in terms of festivals and other things, but I genuinely do believe that the next next 12, 18, 24 months are going to be insane for hospitality. And I think that all of us here on Zoom, not being able to lean against a bar and have a pint with our buddies, we're all just going to go, fuck it, for the next two years, we're going to live life and we're going to yeah. soak it all up. And I think that's going to be great for individuals like yourself who are bringing joy and light to people's lives. I think it's going to be great for people like myself who just like to go and experience the world that hospitality has to offer. And I I'm, I'm writing a, I'm writing a book for that right now. My new book is exactly what you just talked about. It's about living life to the max. Cause we've been kind of in this lock. We have been in lockdown for now. It's a year anniversary yesterday, right? Happy anniversary, babe. There we go. <laughs> and yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> I, oh gosh. Well, that's that. I can't say the name of the new book, but it's about, sharing and having more people over the normal scalable you know big recipes uh because it's we're, we're going into a new normal and the one the one good thing i think that's happened with lockdown is we spent more time with family uh if you have family um and also the earth gets a little bit of a breather i know some aspects of the earth took a bit of a hit but for the most part the fish stocks came back the trees came back, you know, bees, birds, it, wildlife, it's all kind of coming back. Mm. And, and I'm, I think we needed a reset. I think we kind of needed this, even though it's horrible and, and the, the, the death toll. But I think a little bit of a reset changed the way we kind of move forward with the way we were consuming air travel. You know, it all hurts the planet. And this is the one thing we have to look after apart from ourselves is this thing we live on because it's a leaving, breathing entity. And that, that's who I, that's my God is this planet. I need we, this planet and everybody that lives on it. You know, I, that's to me, that's what we should be worshiping, looking after us and the planet. I think so. And we've seen it with hospitality. We've seen businesses, you know, Michelin star restaurants who have gone from seven days a week operating 18 hours a day cutting back and limiting the number of services they do because this is this time this, this period has given us all time to look at what we're doing and look at how we are acting and, and the efficiencies and we realize that actually you know we just all need to perhaps change and modify and we've been thinking more over this period of time we've gone up these aha moments have been kicking in you've gone ah. Oh, I didn't realize yeah. that. It's, it's been, yeah, it's been great. And sorry, I do have one final question for you, actually. Okay. Going back to barbecuing, for those who, like myself, who are sacrilege to the barbecue community, and I apologize to the barbecue cartel and yourself for that, what's the first step into getting into it? And what's, you know, the best? Um, so there's two questions, I guess. What's the first step into getting into, into open fire cooking and smoking? And the second question is, what's the best rub and, and uh, you know, best marinade that you can suggest for, for a novice like myself? By the best cooker you could afford. You know, everybody always says, what do I get? And I'm like, well, start with a Weber 57, the Master Touch. That's just the classic one. I got two in my backyard. And then I scale up. But that's where you should start. And then goof-proof your cooking. Everybody just puts all this charcoal everywhere. 
and you've got all this in, intense direct heat. You got, you got no kind of different heat zones. So I always say charcoal on one side, no charcoal on the other. That way you can cook rest, cook rest, or, you know, put the lid down and use the outdoor grill like an outdoor oven. But it's all about kind of indirect cooking, having, giving your, because when you're indoors and you're on your stove, you've got gas grill and it, you got the, you can tweak the knobs. You don't have that with, with the outdoor grill. So you need to create that with heat zones. Um, so there, there you go. But I always say just get a Weber 57 and then scale up. Half and half technique is pretty much 90% of the way I cook. Unless I'm smoking, but I can still smoke that way. I add wood chips into the coals and add sweet flavor, sweet wood smoke flavor. My favorite rub is classic salt, pepper, onion granules, garlic granules, uh, some brown sugar. Then you can play with it. Maybe if you want to go North African, you add ground cumin, ground coriander, which is our festival rub. Um, you know, paprikas and chilies are always good, but the, there's, there's the classic five things that go into a, a barbecue rub. And it's the umami blend, salt, pepper, onion granules, garlic granules, brown sugar. Got it all. Um, or you can buy it from us. It's called Bohemian Rub City. Uh, we have a spiceology nice. range of rubs on our website. We've got Power Ballad, Rub Woofer, Bohemian Rub City, Bang and Bangra, and uh, Rump Shaker, <laughs> which is our salt and pepper. And then my favorite marinade, it's going to be the one my dad did for me as a kid. And it always reminds me of home. So my dad, he was a greeting car salesman for Hallmark, couldn't really afford the best food. So he goes to the normal supermarket. It's all fresh meat. There's no dry aging back in the seventies. Mm. And he would take that flank or that skirt, that tough piece of meat, throw it in a Ziploc bag with a bottle of a wishbone Italian dressing or, or Paul Newman's own brand, you know, and he would let it marinate for like a day, uh, sometimes overnight. And the vinegars would tenderize it. But that to me, that kind of tang, that kind of chimichurri vibe, you know, vinegar, yeah. fats, spices and herbs. It's the classic kind of, you know, it, I like tang and I know you shouldn't mess with steak, but when it's a really tough piece of meat, a good tenderization helps. Yeah, yeah, um, But that's, that, that's the taste of home for me is like a marinated flank steak and Italian dressing. Nice. I like that. I'm going to give it a go. It's easy. Yeah, yeah. Buy the cheapest bottle of Italian dressing you can get. It'll probably it'll it, it'll probably be the Paul Newman's own brand, or make it yourself. And then throw a bavette in there, throw a flank, throw a skirt, let it marinate overnight. Get all the uh, get all the you know fats off there, and then throw them on the grill. Hit it hot. Sear it, and that's Sarah the taste at home with a with a with a with a baked potato. With sour cream and chives and just the classic iceberg lettuce salad. Like that's what my dad would do whenever whenever I come back at Christmas. That that meal's waiting for me on my very first night. Oh mate, that's class. That's class. <laughs> I'll give I will be sure to give it a go. Um yeah, definitely, one hundred percent. Dude, thank you ever so much for today. It's been it's been an absolute pleasure. Um it's been Oh, thank you. It's been crazy. So thank you very much for that. Sorry I cried a couple of times. Why well, don't apologize for something that's it's completely natural? We can't, we can't, we can't smash stigma of, of just general living if, if people are apologizing <laughs> for a natural thing. Quit it. No, you're okay. Fine. You're fine, mate. But um, as I say, you know, you know where you are. You know where we are if you need us. And uh, and thank um, you. 
hopefully when this episode goes live, just give it give it a share out, and hopefully someone out there will hear it, and and it will it'll make a difference to their day. You're an absolute legend. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure meeting you. <laughs> you too, man. Thanks, thanks for this. Good luck yeah. with it all, and uh, yeah, thanks for asking me to do it. I really hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Burn Chef Journal. If you wanted to learn more about the Burnt Chef Project, head over to our website, www.theburntchefproject.com, where you'll find a whole host of resources and information relating to well-being and mental health within hospitality. Whilst you're there, why not visit our shop and support us by purchasing some branded merchandise, which we then use the profits to fund our ongoing work in destigmatizing mental health within the hospitality industry. Thanks again for joining us and we'll see you again next week.